G'day and welcome to Perco's Podcast, a podcast all about strategy, leadership and soul care. We're here to help you obtain your personal, professional and spiritual goals without losing your soul. We hope that today's episode is refreshing and gives you a new perspective. Now here's your host, Jason Perkins. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 30, part one of Perco's podcast. It is great to be back with you today. If you are just jumping into the podcast, make sure you go back and listen to the last episode with my friend John Finkeld. John had so much great content around leadership, recruiting team members, and even just encouraging us that we don't have to get everything done by a certain age. We give ourselves these false deadlines. And like John, I hope that I am doing what I love well into my 80s. John's episode is episode 29 of the podcast, if you want to go back and listen to that conversation. Before I get into today's episode, I know that we are approaching the Christmas season and soul care during the holidays is something that I love talking to people about, and I'm oftentimes asked about it frequently during the season. I'm so passionate about it because the entire reason we celebrate Christmas is because God came to be with us through a baby born in a manger. Not only did he come into the world, but he came into your world and my world, and he longs to be with us. Soul care is all about being with Jesus, and Christmas is a great season to talk about just that. My good friend Duncan Banks is going to take over Perko's podcast for the day as a guest host, and he is going to ask me some questions about how to care for your soul during the holidays. I hope that this conversation will help you to engage with people well in a season that, quite frankly, can be somewhat difficult. That episode will be coming out the week of Christmas, so keep your eyes and ears out for that one. Well, today I'm excited to introduce you to a new friend of mine, Brian Heasley. I love this conversation with Brian today because it gives me so much hope. I've struggled over the years of my journey with Jesus to find consistent quality time to be with Jesus, and I have so oftentimes felt guilty for that. Brian is not only a helpful guide in this conversation of how to spend time with Jesus, but he also relieved me of the shame and guilt I have oftentimes felt because of my failure. Brian serves as 24-7 Prayer's International Prayer Director, traveling extensively around the globe, inspiring and teaching on prayer and mission. He is a global ambassador for Thy Kingdom Come, an initiative of the Archbishop of Canterbury. He is also a trustee of Christian Solidarity Worldwide, a charity working in the area of freedom of religious belief. Brian and his wife, Tracy, are long-term trailblazers within the 24-7 prayer movement with years of experience in local church and pioneer missions. They pioneered the work of 24-7 prayer in the party area of Ibiza, Spain, where they lived for eight years, developing rhythms of prayer and mission and with a heart to bring about change in a place the British press once described as Sodom and Gomorrah. They are passionate about prayer, mission and justice with a real heart for leading in a way that is both sustainable and life-giving rooted in a rhythm of devotional and prayerful responsiveness they have been married for 27 years and have two adult sons i so hope you enjoy this conversation with my new friend brian heasley brian welcome to perco's podcast all the way from great britain how are you doing today mate it's so good to see you 
Hey, Jason. Yeah, I'm doing well now that I've uh, got a coffee. It's a little bit early here, but I'm all good. It's nice to be here and it's lovely to see you. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to spending some time having a conversation with you. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. I am super stoked um, to dive into some questions about a brand new book that you've just released called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. But before we get into that, I want to ask you a list of questions. These are my top 10 either or questions that I love asking my guests um, to help us get to know a little bit about the person behind the podcast. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, mate. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. You're a coffee. Are you? Would you call yourself, Brian, a coffee snob? Are you a bit of a no? Coffee? I'm I'm a caffeine addict. Okay, <laughs> but not a coffee snob. You, you like a. I'll drink crap coffee, but I love a really good coffee. Okay. Love a love a you know, but um, I'll, I'll drink anything really. He's got caffeine in it. Yeah, yeah. Apple or PC? Apple. Okay. Beaches or mountains? Beaches. Okay. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Definitely okay. dogs. Definitely dogs. Okay. I like the fact. I'm allergic, to, I'm allergic to cats. Are you really? Do you guys have a dog in your home? We did, but he died. Oh, no. Don't worry. <laughs> he was old. Sorry. Don't okay. want to laugh. Didn't need it. I mean, he, he died of old age. So okay. we're good. It was very, very sad. But uh, yeah. He had a great life. That's good to know. That was it. Netflix or YouTube, mate? Netflix. Okay. Favorite show right now on Netflix? Have you got one that you're kind of really into? Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying Narcos. Okay. But, uh, I'm not, you know, I, I speak a bit of Spanish. So I, I tell my wife I'm watching it to help my Spanish. Okay. I like that. That's good. Are you a, a call or a text guy? I would prefer a call. Okay. A text. Yeah, yeah. Over a text. Yeah. Very good. Podcast or, or music when you're listening? music sorry oh bummer i know passenger or driver driver which probably shows i have some sort of control issues <laughs> you're like psychologically analyzing me yeah, right now that's you say these are like 10 simple questions you're like getting a whole read on me i can sense it it is it is exactly uh, are you a saver or a spender a spender okay is your wife a saver yeah my wife's an accountant okay so, so you that you guys balance each other out. I'm yeah, I mean, we've been we've been married thirty years next year, so we've, we're we're still working on the tension between one being a saver and being a spender. But I think we're at a we've found a happy place. Okay, so good news for everyone listening. If you have that same tension in your marriage, it only takes about thirty years to find a happy place. It's not it's not a long road. It's a short one. <laughs> and even then, there's a few flare ups along yeah, the way. So. <laughs> I bet there is. I bet there is. Well, listen, mate. The most important soul care leadership question of all time is this one toilet paper roll is it over or under when you hang a toilet paper roll do you know would you just when, when i don't know i don't even think about it I just you don't it you, no, you just put it yeah there's no i don't think all over under i just it just put the toilet roll on the holder and it doesn't matter i don't yeah. think it really does does it Brian, I don't think you're aware of this, but there is there is a group of people in the world that this is a major, major point oh, of contention man. for some people. Of all the things to be divided over, yeah. toilet, roll, toilet roll holders is probably the least of our worries, that's for sure. I'm, I'm not going to assume a position on that. I'm going to okay. stay on the fence. 
Okay, I like that. Stand on the fence with the toilet roll holder. Hey, listen, in the introduction to your book, Brian, you talk about um, the fact that you you had a real spiritual heritage in your childhood. In fact, it, it sounded as though, you know, your childhood growing up had a lot of a Christian influence in it. But it seems like, and, and you didn't go into huge detail, but enough to say that you you wrote about going to prison when you were a teenager. It seems like things went off the rails a little bit. Would you mind just kind of unpacking your journey spiritually a little bit for us and sharing yeah, with sure. your listeners? Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I grew up in a beautiful Christian home. My, both my parents are Christians. My father is a Baptist minister. Uh, we moved to England from Ireland, so okay. I'm originally I'm from I'm from Northern Ireland, uh, so I'm I'm from, I'm from Belfast in, mm. in Ireland. So we we grew up there, and we moved over when I was about eight to England. And uh, my mother passed away of ovarian cancer when she when I was eleven. Wow. And um, my dad then had there was four boys, and he was a very typical, and he still is a very typical Northern Irish man who had never been in a kitchen in his life and never, you know, so there was, wow. there's quite a lot of, it was quite a shock. And then four boys, you know, so, yeah. so I think for the next, uh, and I was just, that was the year I was starting high school. So I was just starting high school. So I think for, during my high school years, I really battled with two worlds. Okay. You know, I, I had a, a, a kind of Christian faith and I had my kind of friends at school who I seemed to gravitate towards all the other dysfunctional guys who had broken lives because mine yeah. was broken too. Sure. And then as we got older, I, we, you know, into our late teens, I, I, my brothers and I went along to a charismatic church in, okay. in, in, in just outside London. And we were loving it. Lots of girls, Holy Spirit. Sorry, I should have said Holy Spirit first, not lots of girls. But, you know, all <laughs> hey, that kind of stuff. You're teenagers. You're being honest. That's what it was exactly. that drew you. Yeah. Well, because we, we, we were in a Baptist church. And then one day we went along to this charismatic church. And this is not, not slight on any Baptist, by the way. But it was back sure. then. Yeah. It was like 27 old ladies and my dad. <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, literally widows. And then yeah. all of a sudden, boom, we're, we got this charismatic. And there's like 29 young ladies and you're like oh my goodness so it it worked for us yeah. had a real encounter with the holy spirit okay real uh lot of prophetic stuff released over our lives but at the same time i was still hanging out with this group of friends who you know and i'm not blaming them i'm just saying that's who we were hanging out with yeah and, yeah. and so I, I got into this kind of uh into a kind of drugs thing where we were smoking a lot of weed amphetamine all that kind of stuff trying yeah. to sell it we weren't particularly good at that kind of stuff and then I ended up you know I became homeless lived in a car for a while wow uh, had four little short spells in prison but they were on I, I don't know how you guys do it in, the, in Australia but it, but on remand so I didn't serve a, right. uh, a sentence in prison so yeah you know, I, was, I was remanded in there and then the, when when I was 20 I was sitting in a probation hostel in, in, a, in a town called Ipswich here in Suffolk. And uh, I, I was just reading, someone had given me a Bible, I don't know why, someone had given me this Bible. Uh, and it was, I was sitting on the end of my bed, I'd, I'd, I'd had a really rough time. It was in the morning, I remember it. And I remember saying, God, if you are real, save me. Mm. I don't, the thing is, right, Jason, I always thought I was saved. So it wasn't like, because I, I gave my life to Jesus in Castle Ray Baptist Church, Belfast, when yeah. I was five years old. Sure. So I, I always thought, right, I'm in, you know, yeah. saved. But I knew that my life 
wasn't matching up to that decision. Yeah. And I was going through this battle of light and dark, you know, these two lives that we live. And I think at that, by that point, the dark side was winning as it were. Yeah. And I've been trying, I knew about, I loved God. I wanted to follow him, but I kept getting sucked into smoking weed and hanging out with these guys who provided me with a sense of community. I hadn't dealt with my anger. There was all sorts of things going on. And and so I was just an absolute mixture and mess of that. So, and then I I just said, God, if you are real, save me, save me from this, save me from sitting on the end of my bed in a probation hostel, feeling bad because I took a load of acid the day before, just, and and friendless, penniless, homeless, save me from this. And so I, and I had this Bible, so I dropped it open, which I know they say never do that because you can always end up on, like, don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk, you know, things like that. But anyway, I, I dropped it open and I started to read, Came and it's Isaiah 59, verse 1, that says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. Wow. And it, I, I just broke, you know, literally. I remember sitting on the end of the bed, just you know, just thinking, wow, his arm his arm is not too short to save, nor is his, nor is his ear too dull to hear. He can save me and he has heard me. So I think at that moment was when I had a real incredibly divine encounter. Yeah. And it's probably at that point where I really started to believe in an interventionist God. Yeah. But I also started to believe in a God who hears. Yeah. So I think that was probably where my passion for prayer was okay. born. Yep. Also my passion for a God who will break into broken situations that was born in that moment it took yeah. me about six months to kind of deal with, not just i mean I'm, I'm 30 and i'm 30 years into this journey or just over as a no when is, yeah 31 years into this journey as a christian and there's still issues that pop up around my mother's death or you yeah. know all that sort of stuff i think it's weird isn't it yeah but, but i i got it what happened the best thing that ever happened to me was I, a friend of mine was living where i'm now in you know in this town now and he said why don't you come and live with my family and like, so straight from this probation hostel, I moved, he's a Christian, he used to be my youth worker. Yeah. And I moved in with him and his family and uh, they just helped me to reassimilate. And they, I, I became part of a church that within a year I was the children's worker. Wow. And, uh, which is crazy. So they, I really believe, I think as well, Jason, in the, in the redemptive power of community. Yeah. Uh, so being brought into the, the the body of Christ and being cared for and being loved and being looked after and just being talked to, yeah, just just helped me so much. It kind of worries me even right now. You know, when you think about like all the middle class people who've been during lockdown, I thought, oh, I don't need to go to church anymore. Yeah, because I because I can watch the really Online. good sermon, I can listen to really good music. Yeah, and and but I think they forgot about the fact that there'll be a twenty year old me in church yeah who, who and it's not church isn't about consuming church is about serving yes and yes. so the best thing you could ever do is go to church and sit next to a 20 year old me and show me how to do life and yep. talk to me and befriend me you can't do that on a screen so the minute people are starting to go oh hang on i'm going to watch uh, you know i'm just going to watch church i'm not going to go to church you've become a consumer yeah. not a not, yeah. not a congregant not a yep. member of your church you know yeah. so so i was really blessed by actual physical people in the room who taught me how to how to be normal 
Had yeah. a love, had a love. God. I looked and saw the worship. I saw the tears in their eyes. I saw the, you know, the, the devotion on their faces. They're just surrounded by, by all sorts of weird, wonderful, and wacky Christians. But it was what it was that community that yeah. that discipled yeah. me and brought me through. And and so I guess as well, Jason. Then in that was when I really decided, Brian, if you're going to do this, you've got to get got to get your life together in terms of like you've got to read the Bible. If you say you're a Christian, you've got to read the Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to. So I, I, I think it was probably there where I started with the more, the, the kind of quiet time aspect of my life, something that had always been modeled to me by my father. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I thought, so I just assumed, I think it's kind of weird, really. The minute I gave my life back to Jesus, there's two things I thought you'd do. One was you should tithe. I don't know why. <laughs> they just started tithing straight away. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, and then you should, you should have a quiet time. And if, I, looking back, I think it's because it's my dad was always really big on those two you know, things yeah the thing, well not just those two things but i always yeah. just associated those with with faith so yeah, yeah. <laughs> spoken like a true baptist brian make sure that you're giving exactly. and make sure you're doing your, your quiet time which by the way my dad too is a, actually a baptist pastor and i grew up in that type of setting and um man quiet time was very much a part of kind of the vernacular of what was talked about as a kid for me growing up what would you, how would you describe it to somebody, Brian, who's maybe brand new to the whole concept of Christianity and following Jesus? What, do you, what does it mean to have a quiet time? In, you know, how would you summarize that? It's quite interesting. I think in John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he mentions yeah. a quiet time. He does, he says, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be back in the morning with my coffee and my Bible, having a quiet time. And I was like, yeah, this is... There's, I think there's a, a reclamation of a quiet time. So for me, a quiet time is a set aside time yeah. to spend communicating with God. Uh, it works best for me in the morning, but for other people, it can be other times. I think that set aside time involves the Bible, prayer, and listening. Mm. And because so, I think if, if it's just listening, that's not great. Listening is is kind of you know, <laughs> important. So it's, yeah. it's basically a time of day that I set aside on a regular basis to speak to, to listen to, to read the Bible, to journal yeah. with God. And it's, yeah. it's just me and him. Yeah. You talk about the, uh, this kind of a reclamation of quiet times. I have done a lot of reading over the years of great, what I would call great people of faith, kind of the heroes of faith, people that were maybe missionaries or maybe, you know, priests in, in centuries past or monks. And I've noticed, Brian, something, a trend or a pattern in all of their lives where they had this set aside time to just be in relationship with Jesus or be in relationship with God throughout the day. You know what I've noticed though, Brian, and I'm not saying that this is formulaic the way it has to be done. But I've noticed that many of them, if not all of them, they did it at a ridiculously ungodly hour of the morning many times. They were early risers. And I don't, I'm not saying that's when it has to happen, but it's almost like they were so wanting to prioritize this thing before they got on with their rest of their day that um, it just seems like that was a unique pattern or trend in many of their lives. Have you noticed the same thing when you've read church history and people of faith yeah 
I think at, <laughs> at probably different times, different ways, but I think most of them are inspired by, by Mark, the book of Mark, where Jesus gets up early in the morning. So I think, yeah, and it says, and he goes, takes himself off to a solitary place and prays. Yeah. So all of the heroes of the faith are probably inspired by Christ himself who, who did that, you know? Yeah. But I think, and so that's where it's crept in. It's a morning thing. Yeah. yeah and a lot of, I have so much to you hear those old ones. I had so much to do today. I had to pray for three hours. Like, <laughs> like, oh, three hours, you know. And the, 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 I think we now this isn't an excuse, but I do think there was a culture of when the sun went down. Yeah, people went to sleep. Yes, when the sun goes down. So uh, here I am in England. The sun's going down at four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, but I'm I still go to bed. You know, eleven o'clock. You know, right. so, so there is, I think there's, there's I'm not make I'm not uh, saying that that wasn't really holy that they got and prayed for hours, but I do sure. think culturally now. Yeah, I would imagine most people I know when I when I that struggle to get up early to pray, probably it's not the getting up early; it's going to bed early. Yeah, I yeah, so, absolutely. I'm such a I get sucked into so much at night. Yeah, like, so here in England we have like the ten o'clock news. I watch the ten o'clock news. Yeah, and then like some nonsense comes on after it, like police camera chase. You know, I've spent like an hour watching people chase car thieves up and down the motorway, and you and you think, what, what is, and you know, and you're an hour later to bed. So I think I I try and get myself a bit disciplined about going to that. But I think as well, what people forget is there are moments where it says Jesus dismissed his disciples and he went up a mountain and prayed. Yeah, yeah, wasn't in the morning, right? Because they'd, they'd spent the day. You've got to think that was the, the end of the feeding of the 5,000. So that yeah. was in the evening. So, so there is, I don't think there's a biblical pattern for a set time, actually. Uh, and we may talk about this, but when Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Yes. Uh, uh, the Ellicott, I think it is, talks about the, the fact that the cool of the day was the time when all the work was done. Yes. So, so, so there was that sort of Adam and Eve walked after they've done yeah. their work today so so it's it's just uh it's it's worked in i think it worked in times for other people but i would i wouldn't worry about being time specific yeah and i actually think but i do think that it, it's the carving out of a space and a place yeah. regular time so i have a friend who he was doing a long commute so he turned yeah. his car you know he calls it my car is my sanctuary mm. actually thinking I was talking to his wife. I wrote that in the book, but really I was talking to his wife. The other day, and he called it his tabernacle. Which wow. So the first time he met his girlfriend, this girlfriend that is now his wife and they've got two kids. He opened his car door and he went, welcome to my tabernacle, which <laughs> freaked her out a little bit, but they're still, they're still together. So he turned his car into his place of prayer. Yeah. Uh, there, there are others who, you know, like I talk about the gym, turning the gym in, you know, because everyone's got their, their their earbuds in, haven't they, listening to like Eminem to get themselves all pumped. Yeah. You know? but like, or whatever, I don't know what you listen to. But turning that into a place of prayer. So I, I, you know, you're doing a bench press. I've got two sons and I hold one of them in this hand and one of them in that hand and I lift them up before the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, and, and do, and as, and so you can turn sort of moments of your day into a quiet time. You, you, mm. you know, people like, uh, we were just talking about my dog, which sadly passed away. Yeah. I love quiet times walking my dog yeah. so i think it's just being creative like and if you're a young mum or a young dad sorry i'm not being gender specific there yeah. it's a nice 
to get up in the morning. When we had kids, if I had got up in the morning and said, Tracy, I'm going to sit in the corner there for an hour and a half, read my Bible and pray, while she charged around after a two-year-old and a four-year-old, <laughs> it had like gone bananas. So, so you know, there's seasons for it. A, a friend of mine, what she started to do was, whilst the kettle was boiling, mm. she decided that she would stand still and let the kettle boil. And whilst it boiled, she would uh, she'd pray. Yeah. And so, you know, different seasons, different times. But I think it is being intentional, building intentional habits. We do, we, you know, rhythm, have a rhythm of prayer. Rhythm yeah. is a lovely word for me. Yeah, I love that. What would you say, Brian, to someone who maybe grew up with this idea of quiet time being a little bit rigid, like you must do it in the morning or you must do it for a certain amount of time? In fact, I had a friend, I grew up, a friend of mine, his dad would check his quiet time journal every Saturday morning to make sure that he had done it for the previous week. And he wasn't allowed to go out and play and unless it would all been checked off. What would, and, and quite frankly, Brian, he kind of checked out on the whole concept because of that. What would you say to somebody that maybe grew up with that intense legalism who's kind of checked out on it, but you really want to inspire them to maybe reconsider it? No, one of the biggest questions I get is how do I avoid becoming religious? Yeah. What they they don't really mean religious. They mean yeah. how do I avoid becoming legalistic? Yeah. So I think it's possibly it, it tends to be Christians who ask that question. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's be honest. So if and I, you know, I do a lot of work in prisons. We did a lot of work on the street in, in Ibiza in Spain. Uh, those people, you know, when someone comes fresh to the gospel. They don't say, how do I avoid becoming religious? They just right. like, how do I know Jesus? Yes, you know? yes. But I think we're kind of scarred a bit from our religious history. Yeah. But religion, religion, the actual word means a, a devotion to a deity. So yeah. I am religious. I'm devoted to the God of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So I yeah, am yeah, yeah. So I, so I think sometimes it is remembering what it's about. And and I, I guess for me, if, if it's a relational connection, it's not a religious connection. Yeah. And and how do you sustain your faith if if all you're going to do is that the, the sustenance of your faith like i've talked to you right there at the beginning about how i believe in community and believe in church and yeah. love a really good, great meeting i'm a i'm a charismatic you know I mean? so I'm, I'm there yeah love a bit of good jobs, all of that but but can't survive on it can't survive on a mountaintop yeah you need to you need something that keeps us going every day so i i think it's just it's I couldn't stress how much the relational aspect of it is so important above and beyond the religious. And I think that we need to believe that the relational will outweigh the religious, you know, so that's all I can say. I don't, it's, it's almost sometimes I think as well, I'm not saying your friend does this, but I do Mm. meet people. And I think it's a really, it's a kind of, listen, I don't, it's good for you. Right. So last Tuesday I had breakfast. I have breakfast every day. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was good for me. Yes. And 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 so we have, you know, I had something I had something yesterday morning. I can't, it was actually a banana, but but it was good for me. Okay. Yeah. But I don't always remember what I had for breakfast. And it's good for me. Yeah. And I think when it comes to uh because if if or every time we approach a part time, we're looking to get a kind of like 
tingles and oh Jesus is here and it's all you know it, sometimes it is just good for me to kind of yeah. feed my soul with the word of God to pray yeah. to Jesus and I don't it's not always like I'm sitting in some sort of haze of a glory cloud you know yeah. sometimes it's just it's just good to just feed yourself on the word of God on a regular yeah. basis yeah so, yeah I love that. that. No, that does help. Brian, on the on the podcast, we refer to soul care. We define it this way as it's tending to the garden of your inner life. And when I think about gardening, there are many days when I'm watering and I don't see any change in the plants. But then there are some days when it's kind of hard going. I got to pull some weeds out. I got to maybe clip some things back that are dead. And it's it's just not always this flowers and sunshine kind of experience in the garden and it's the same is true i think in our quiet times you you talk about in the book though you talk about the significance of the garden in relation to quiet times can you maybe unpack a little bit of what that means i think in uh, in genesis 3 it talks about uh, adam and eve in the cool of the day yeah well, the before the fall, I mean, it's a sad, sad part of the Bible, actually, but but it does give us an indication of the relationship that they had with the Lord before the fall. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think it, it it says, and they walked. So I haven't got my I haven't got my glasses on. So it oh, says man. they walked in the cool of the day. They walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And there's a a guy, the same guy that I quoted earlier, Ellicott, who he said that you know the 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 Hebrew would, would suggest that it was walking for pleasure. Okay. The conjugation of the Hebrew verb walking mm. had an element within it that suggested they walked for pleasure. Okay. So you have this beautiful picture of Adam and Eve walking for pleasure with the Lord at the end, at the end of the day, at the end of the working day. And, and that idea it was in a garden is such a beautiful thing. So, mm. you know, and a garden means an enclosed walled off, hidden place that you know mm. mostly mediterranean gardens now where or the moorish gardens and you gotta you go to seville there's some really good examples or morocco or tunisia there are these kind of walled off gardens you'll have seen them in various films you know there's a fountain in the middle yeah you know, it's not like our kind of garden where we've got like loads of veggies growing it's kind of waters and trees and little place to walk around so it was this enclosed eden and in a uh, 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 you know a Ghana is the Hebrew word. So, so the Ghana Eden, the enclosed garden of Eden. So we have to create our own enclosed Edens, our own places where we walk for pleasure. We've got our own gardens. Mm. And so I, I, I that, I, cause it was a picture. It was a, it was original creation intent that God walked for pleasure with man and woman in a garden. Yeah. And so I walk for pleasure with God. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm saying for pleasure, it's not just to kind of like make me happy. I mean, I want to walk with a friend that I can enjoy a conversation with who will listen to me. But if, but it's for pleasure. There's a sense of, wow, this is a beautiful thing. We walk and um, it's a rested thing. It's not mm. a it's not just a list. You know, right. I, I, I travel all over the world with my role for 24 seven prayer and I consistently and constantly meet leaders who haven't cultivated their own garden yeah. and they sit on the edge of burnout. They're driven and they're, it, it's, it's all about involvement, 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 uh, but there's no intimacy. Mm. And so I was, I've just been reading uh, Eugene Peterson's the contemplative pastor. Yeah. And he talks about 
pastors were, were about it, that pastors are about information and motivation. It's two of the languages they speak, but the primary language is the language of intimacy, mm. and they don't speak the language of intimacy. And so, intimacy for me is that sense of carving out that space, that garden where I walk, where I can look after. You know, where, where I'm saying I a lot. I don't really like that. It's not really. You know I mean, but where God can do a bit of work, and God can do something in my heart and in my soul. Mm. Uh, you know. That, and I, when I meet leaders that have a garden, you notice something. Yeah. There's a rest on them. There's an unhurriedness. There's actually quite a, quite a lot less ego. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. so I, I, yeah, I, I hope that helps. That yeah, absolutely. Where's your garden is a question, Jason. Yeah. You know, for me right now, this season of my life, my garden is my chair. Mm morning i have a lovely comfortable chair you know my my children are like in their 20s so you know they're gone i, I i've been working from home for the last 18 months so i haven't got a lot of travel up in yeah. the morning mug of coffee bible stuff you know sit down oh beautiful you know yeah. undisturbed so that's my garden yeah you know so, I, so it's my chair now your garden could be the car the gym the end of the day, the beginning of the day, the kitchen table, anywhere. But but my plea for, for actually not just for leaders, but it is find a garden, find yeah. a place where you have a regular connection so that so that it doesn't you don't just get fed by a crowd or you don't just get fed by a stage or you don't just get fed by seeing mirror, you know, great big things happen. Jesus, the weird, the weird stuff about reading about Christ's time, you know, when he goes away to a soldier base is we don't know what happened. Yeah. Just go to a quiet time to get some good preaching notes or say, God bless me for Sunday. He went and he communed with his father. You yeah. know, one or two insights we get into it, but he climbs up a mountain. Doesn't say what happens, but what we do know that happens after he's been up a mountain is he walks on water. You yeah. know, so, so yeah. that, like the crowd is behind him, the storm is in front of him, but in the middle he prays, he goes up a mountain. So, and I think too many leaders are, yeah, anyway, I'm not. I won't get preachy. Sorry, Jason. No, it's, this is good. This is good, mate, because you're, you're asking such a powerful question. It doesn't matter the location or the time, but we yeah. all must have our own garden because at the end of the day, Brian, we can't give what we don't possess. And if there's no intimacy with God for ourselves personally, then there's, there's not going to be that, that ability to be able to invite people in to intimacy with him. And I actually, I, I've thought to myself many times, if we are helping to lead people to follow mm -hmm. Jesus, then I must become not an expert, but at least some sort of a person that is following Jesus intimately so that I can share how to do that with other people. Go on. You were going to say something. I don't want to, I want to hear what you, what came to your mind. No, go for it. Uh, it's, it's six o'clock in the morning here. So I'm kind of like, it's all just, I'm just, my brain's waking up and popping it's off great. all over I the show. So sorry, Jason. I love it. But uh, you know, if you've ever been on a plane, there is that, there is that thing that says, you know, when you're doing the, the talk and it says, before you put anyone else's mask on, put yes. your own mask on first. Yes. Yeah. And I heard a bishop about that years ago. Yeah. And it really struck me. I think leaders, pastors, you know, well, even if you were just a nurse or you're just, you know, or you're wherever we run around and we're trying to put everybody else's masks on, help mm -hmm. them breathe, help them connect, you know, you know, but as a leader, that's probably our job is to help people, you know, breathe. put their mask on. Yeah. yeah. But 
but it says put your own mask on first. So I meet a lot of leaders that have neglected to put their own mask on first, and they are breathless. Yeah. You know, and, and it only works when we breathe in and we breathe out. You're alive when you breathe in and you breathe out. So I breathe God's presence in and then I can breathe God's presence out. I connect with the divine. I breathe him in. I spend time with him. I read his word. I talk to him and then I can breathe him out. But, but if all I do is breathe out, breathe out, breathe out, I fall over. Mm. You know, so, so we, go, we, have, we have a load of leaders that are activists, but, but I really think God is called, there's a call on leadership for us to be contemplative activists. Yes, yes. Both, you know, so when you're talking about all those guys at the beginning that spent three hours in the morning and all of that, and then they were on their horse going and preaching to thousands of people, they were contemplative activists. Yes. And I think there's too many leaders, just activists. Yeah. And, and, they, and, and I don't think we, there's got to be a real strong balance of the two. The, yeah. The, 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 the sense of getting away and being with the father. And then we can speak about the father and then we can minister and pastor to others. We can speak the language of intimacy, not just the language of motivation and information. Yeah, absolutely. Well, friends, we're going to pause the conversation right there for this week. And I just want to say, I love how Brian referred to this idea of all of us needing to find our own garden to be with Jesus and to hear from him. I love the fact that Brian said it can be anywhere. It could be at the gym, could be in your car, might be at home, or maybe even it's outside. I love the fact that it can be any time of day as well, the morning, evening, afternoon. I just love the fact that he encouraged us to find our own garden to be with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you're looking for a next step to take from this conversation, then I would encourage you to find your own garden this week, and I want to help you do that. So if you want encouragement in that area or some coaching, just go to my Instagram page, at Jason Perko Perkins is my Instagram handle. You can click on the link on the bio. There's a form there you can fill out to connect with me, and I'd love to help you find that rhythm and find your own garden. It's so important. I also want to encourage you, don't miss part two of this conversation with Brian. He unpacks so much more around this idea, and he shares some things that were incredibly helpful for me in my life and leadership. Before I go, though, I want to make sure, especially if you're brand new to the podcast, that you don't miss any conversations like this one. So if you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you to go over to my website, jasonperkoperkins.com, and sign up for our weekly email that we send out. Coming up soon, we're going to be sending out some resources with soul care and the holidays, so make sure you sign up for that. I promise we won't inundate you with emails every day. We just simply want to help you take care of your soul and reach your goals. If you don't want to sign up for the email, that's fine. You can just hit the subscribe button on the platform that you listen to the podcast on, and that will make sure that you don't miss any of these episodes. If you feel inclined, we would also love it. If you would consider leaving us a review on your preferred podcast platform, those reviews not only help us to know what is beneficial in future episodes, but they also help us to share these conversations with others that find this podcast helpful. As always, I'd love to hear from you if you're finding the conversations helpful in feeding your souls. So make sure that you reach out to me. That's what this podcast is all about. We want to help people reach their goals without losing their souls. And we love hearing from people like you. The easiest way to do that is just simply to go to my Instagram page. Again, Jason Perko Perkins is the handle and you can fill out the connect form with the link in the bio. 
I'd love to hear from you if there has been a topic you would like to discuss further. Our dream is to see an entire generation of leaders reach their goals and at the same time hear them say, it is well with my soul. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to connecting with you online this week. And I can't wait to share part two of this conversation with my new friend, Brian Heasley, with you next week. Until then, cheers.